0: Hello, Text Talkers. Edwin here. I have a brief announcement before we get into the actual episode today. Andrew and I just want you to know that in order to make sure all episodes post on time and without missing any, we have to record these weeks in advance. That's why we don't talk about any current events, including the COVID-19 pandemic. Since we never know what the state of things will be on the day the episodes actually air, we just focus on the text we're talking about. However, we want you to know that we are obviously aware of the state our communities country and world is in we are not ignoring or dismissing it we are concerned we are praying for you for all our brothers and sisters and for our fellow man in this difficult time that being said what better thing can we do while we and our families are practicing some social isolation than to talk about god's word so keep us in your prayers and we'll keep you in ours and let's get today's episode started. Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Two men. 15 minutes. Eternal impact.
1: Welcome to Text Talk. In his glory
0: I will see. I will
1: empty. Welcome back, Text Talkers. We're excited about our podcast today. We are doing an episode on
0: Acts chapter 9. Edwin, what are we reading? We're going to read from verse 36 all the way to the end of the chapter. We are reading from the English Standard Version. Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days she became ill and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, Please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed and turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up and he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive, and it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord, and he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon a tanner. So as we pointed out yesterday, we're walking with Peter on this journey to the salvation of Gentiles. If you did not get to hear what we talked about yesterday, certainly download that podcast, but let me just go ahead and give you a recap. We've got this parentheses, if you will, from Acts chapter 8 and verse 4 all the way to Acts chapter 11 and verse 19. Both of those verses mention that people were persecuted in Jerusalem and they were scattered and they went everywhere preaching. In between those two statements that are supposed to act like bookends, in between there what we have is this progression that moves from the Jews being the ones who are converted and taught to the Gentiles being included. And Luke demonstrates what a colossal shift this is by how much time and effort he puts into preparing the reader for the conversion of the Gentiles. And he does it by giving us three conversion stories and then these two miracles. And as we walk through these conversion stories, we start with a Samaritan sorcerer. We move to the Ethiopian eunuch, likely a proselyte. And then we move to the priest's persecutor, Saul, who had letters from the priest to go to Damascus. I mean, an absolute enemy of the kingdom. And basically what these three conversion accounts are telling us is that if these guys can be converted, anybody can be converted, including Gentiles. So it's preparing the way for us. But the next step is going to be getting Peter, the apostle, to the Gentiles, And so, what Luke does is prepares the way by saying, Peter is still an apostle. Yesterday, we highlighted the miracle of raising Aeneas up from the ground, a lame man, and it goes back to what happened in Acts chapter 3. Just as Peter was able to heal that lame man then, he's able to heal a lame man still. He is still with Jesus. He is still an apostle. What he does, we can trust. Now we're going to take it a step further because he's not just going to raise someone up from the ground; he's going to raise someone up from the dead. Mm-hmm. And so we
1: are talking about raising Tabitha, or as it is translated Dorcas in verse thirty-six? Now uh, we were looking that up. Well, what does that name mean? And it means gazelle. Gazelle. A gazelle. You know, which is an animal full of grace and beauty. Uh, and and honestly, I, and it's just my ear. It's just my ear. The name Dorcas doesn't sound as graceful and beautiful um, as, Gazelle. as Gazelle, you know, <laughs> as Tabitha, uh, Tabitha I, you know, but that that's just my ear. That's what it means, though. And it, it's a name that communicates a gracious and, and beautiful woman. And she is uh, an embodiment of that kind of beauty, which pleases the Lord. For we are told in verse 36, this woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. I don't necessarily know for certain uh, what her uh, outward appearance is. Did she die of old age? Did did she die of something else? What is significant, though, is that uh, the church felt like they could not live without her. That is, is she is um, laid in state, if you will. They make their plea to Peter, look at all the good she did, look at the garments that she has prepared to help widows. And so, you know, that makes me think perhaps she was a bit younger herself uh, to to make this difference for these elderly women. But even if she was elderly, she was still very active, full of, of um, good works, charitable deeds. Uh, very precious in the sight of God. She's a beautiful, graceful woman.
0: It reminds me of passages in Proverbs 31 where we call the, uh, the worthy woman, mm, yeah, the excellent wife, the virtuous, wife, woman, the virtuous yeah. woman. In Proverbs chapter 31 and verse 19, she puts her hand to the distaff and her hand holds the spindle. These are tools of making garments. It goes on to say she opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. That's exactly what Tabitha has done we get to the end of that chapter it says charm is deceitful and beauty is vain but a woman who fears the lord is to be praised give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. And that's exactly what happens for Tabitha here. Yeah. The, the, as as the, the widows and the Christians are bringing Peter in and showing him the works of her hands, th- those works are praising her in the gates, if you will. among And the, the idea of in the gates at that time, that was the place where the elders of the people would sit, where they would make judgments as they would consider cases and and causes. And they would praise and honor people. And they're pointing out that, that while this worthy woman's husband might be sitting among the elders of the gates, he's not the only one that gets praised. She gets praised there because of her works. And we see now the church praising her before the apostle, the leader. And so this is very much in keeping with that imagery of in the gates with, with where the, the leaders are. And who is
1: who is performing this miracle here? It's Peter. Now, Peter who will be moved to write to Christian women, uh, to follow an example that we see set forth in the Tabitha. In 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 3, in verse 3, Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of
0: God. Here's the thing that always gets me about this story. I I understand that what I'm about to share is not the point of the story. The point of the story is that Peter is an apostle and Peter gets to go to Cornelius and we know that God is with him and we can trust that. That's the point. But there's something that I get from this story that that just uh, blows my mind, and I hope it's something that we can all pick up on. You know, up to this point, we've seen some other Christians die.
1: Yeah.
0: We've seen some important Christians die. Stephen died. He Stephen. Was yeah. Here's Stephen, a deacon, I think, an yeah. evangelist. Mm-hmm. That's really important to me. He gets stoned. How do the disciples respond? They mourn him. They bury him. They move on.
1: Yeah.
0: Before that, there was James, or after that. We haven't got to James yet, actually, now that I'm thinking about this. uh, We're going to get to James in a couple of chapters. He's an apostle. An evangelist. Mm -hmm. Brother to John. (laughs) He gets the sword. Mm -hmm. The disciples are going to mourn him, bury him, and move on. Mm -hmm. I'm noticing that evangelists don't fare well in this whole death thing. Evangelists die. The preachers die. And everybody just moves on. Tabitha, however, dies. And the disciples say, wait a minute. Right. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We've got to do something about this. Peter, you need to come. We need her back. This is the kind of disciple we need back. And it demonstrates importance of roles within the church. What is mm-hmm. the most important role in the church? Mm-hmm. Servant. Mm-hmm. That's the most important role, not the person who ends up on a stage in an assembly, not the person who leads singing or leads prayers or who preaches sermons, not the person who is appointed as an elder or a deacon within the congregation. You want to know the most important role within the congregation is the person who serves, the person who sees people in need, who helps people in need.
1: That's the Lord's economy. That if you want to be the greatest, you will be the least. You will be servant of all. And here is Tabitha, here is a, a beautiful woman in the
0: eyes of God, because she has been a servant to all of these in need. Another contrast we see is back in Acts chapter 6, there were some widows in need, mm. and they had, if you will, using our modern terms, a church program. They they had officers in the church, men set up in the congregation who are now going to oversee making sure the needs of these widows in the congregation were being met. Right. We're at a different congregation now. Yeah. I I doubt. In Joppa somewhere. I doubt this congregation in Joppa is as large as that Jerusalem congregation was. I I don't get the picture of program of something that's being overseen. I get the picture of a disciple who sees someone in need. And rather than waiting around for the church program to get set up. Right. She just goes and meets the need. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of servant that we need to be. I need to be the one that sees the need and meets it right far too often uh, so I read something recently that I think was really really helpful that I want to pass on to you kind of a a tool for this far too often we see someone in need we're not sure exactly what to do and so we just say I mean I don't know how many times I've said this hey if you need me call me you ever said that yeah yeah I mean you've said it to me if you need me. if you need me. Yeah,
1: I I know, I know how much you, you need me based on how many calls I get from you.
0: (laughs) But uh, I, and I know why we do that because we don't know what's needed and we don't want to overstep bounds. But I I was reading uh, from, from a uh, mailer that I get, and I thought this was such a really great practical application of this idea. When you've got someone in need, maybe ask them to write down on a sheet of paper. Okay. What, what are your top Ten stressors. What are the things that are overwhelming you? What are the things that are too much on your plate? And then I want you to rank them from one to ten. Not 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 ranking those per se, but each one is this a level ten stressor or is it a level one stressor? I mean, you might have four that are level eights, and then just okay. uh, Now I know where you have needs, and I'm going to see these things. And rather than saying I'm going to wait until a person who calls me because someone in need. There's always that feeling of, well, I don't want to burden you. Oh, I know I'm supposed to take care of this on my own. And sometimes the need is such that they're not even emotionally capable of being able to say, here's what you can do. They're so overwhelmed and so stressed out. They don't even know what to ask for. Sure. So I thought this was a great way of putting legs on this idea of just being a servant. Hey, write down a list of things that are overwhelming you, that are stressing you. Let me know, where do they rank? Is this a level eight stressor or a level two stressor? And then where there are things that you can just, I'm just going to take care of this one for you. You you got laundry need to be taken care of. I'll do it. You need your gutters cleaned out, your grass cut. You need your kids taken out today so that you can have some time alone. I'm just going to do that. And that same
1: tool, I think it talked about trying to sit down and, and, and work through that with them. Yes. You know, as opposed to giving them an assignment and and bring it back to you. It's, it's really a helpful tool. If you're going to be doing some, uh, you know, some counseling or being that close friend with someone, uh, certainly that Tabitha to to these widows she was that she was that kind of lady
0: I thought that was a great tool putting some practical legs it's a great on this, strategy uh, practical legs on this service we need to be servants we need to be like Tabitha that's the kind of disciple that is worth raising that's the kind of disciple churches need I yeah. mean great we need preachers and and I love preachers preachers have a special place in my heart you can imagine but what we really need is servants and even we preachers need to be servants and I hope we can all do better that Today Andrew why don't you pray about that
1: our great God and Father thank you Lord for the day thank you Lord for uh, Tabitha that uh, she being dead she still spoke here were these deeds that that spoke to her life of service and her heart for others to such a degree that it would occasion this miracle she was raised from the dead and we believe that uh, to continue in good service to other people that um, the joy of this resurrection that was multiplied in that church. It's just a little glimpse of the joy we all look forward to upon your return in our great resurrection to be with you forever. We pray, Father, until that day comes, that we might follow the example of Tabitha, that we would be servants for your glory.
0: In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today.